TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. So much developing here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the region, New Jersey, as well as beyond internationally. We've got it all covered for you. And the Supreme Court. The latest case they're looking at, which is high-tech liability. Can we blame and can we sue social media for being involved in, let's say, a a student committing self-harm? Or even the shooting that happened here in Philadelphia amid reports that perhaps that teen shooter who's accused of executing a local policeman was playing some kind of some kind of game on social media, thought it was a big game. Can social media be held liable and accountable and get sued? That's a question that the Supreme Court will be looking at and will be asked to rule on all of these stories and so many more this morning. Hi, Dawn Stensland here, at Dawn Stensland on Twitter, 855-839-1210. You still haven't told me what you're giving up for Lent on this Ash Wednesday. Many services across the the region starting early this morning and going until, I think, um, 7 plus o'clock tonight. But I'll begin with the tributes and what happened during the tributes involving tributes to Officer um, Officer Fitz, as he's called, Officer Christopher Fitzgerald. You know, here his family, his father, his widow Marissa were attending this beautiful bell tower tribute on the Temple University campus to remember and pay tribute to the slain, I'm not going to say fallen officer. I'm not going to say an officer who lost his life in the line of duty. He did not lose his life. He is not fallen. He was executed. He was murdered. And in fact, according to authorities who are looking at surveillance video from the area, the accused teen victim stood over This 31-year-old officer, who's also a husband and father of four, stood over him and repeatedly shot into his head, into his body. It's unthinkable. So this, as the community, not just the Temple University community, but of course all of us, and I think across the country, this shooting and and the the tragedy surrounding the, the murder of this officer is capturing hearts across America. But hundreds of students and staff packing that area around the university, if you know Temple University, that bell tower, yesterday afternoon in memory and in tribute to police officer Christopher Fitzgerald as we prepare and learn more about uh, the vigils that will be happening. Tomorrow will be the viewing and then Friday the funeral. So the officer's family was present there, his widow, his father, Dr. Joel Fitzgerald, who I know Dom Giordano interviewed yesterday on the Dom Show, and this as then shots ring out. So listen to this latest report. I believe this is a 6ABC report on what happened there during the tribute um, that was at the Bell Tower at Temple University. Listen in. 
a barrage of bullets on the 1900 block of West Montgomery Avenue this afternoon. Police say around 3.30, two teenagers were shot. That's where we found seven spent shell casings from a semi-automatic weapon. Surveillance video captures the horrified reactions. Police say a 13-year-old girl was shot once in the arm just a few blocks away from where she lives. A 17-year-old boy was shot four times and is in critical condition. Chopper 6 was over the scene just blocks away from where Officer Christopher Fitzgerald was gunned down Saturday night. His family was visiting a memorial in his honor when the gunshots rang out this afternoon. The Fitzgerald family quickly escorted away as police cars rushed to the double shooting. A gray vehicle was traveling east on Montgomery when someone fired shots out of the front door passenger side window. Police are unsure if either teen was targeted. However, the 17-year-old boy is hit four times, twice in each leg. So the chances are he may have been the intended target because usually someone doesn't get hit four times by stray gunfire. But it's possible. Police are looking for a gray sedan. Authorities say both men inside were wearing dark colored clothing and had masks covering their faces. Yes, and so that search continues this morning right now as well. We know the 13-year-old girl who was hit, she, they've been able to, to stabilize her condition. She's hospitalized. The 17-year-old who may have been, but we, we haven't confirmed that yet, it's believed that the 17-year-old may have been the one that was targeted in that drive-by, the 17-year-old in critical condition right now. So imagine that that's what happened nearby, shots ringing out. But I want you to listen in to this beautiful tribute that that did happen with Dr. Fitzgerald, um, Officer Chris Fitzgerald's father, as well as Marissa Fitzgerald, the widow, speaking out. And I want you to listen in because when you hear Officer Fitzgerald's father speak about this, I can't even imagine his pain and his anguish. But he has a message for these Temple University students and the strength of this family to me is is incredible as they are able to publicly speak and publicly grieve with the city of Philadelphia, what they're giving, even in the time of their lowest moments in life, is should not go without recognition. It's something that's incredible that we're seeing in real time. Listen in. Everybody would ask me, how many kids do we have? And I would tell him he was the biggest baby of them all. The night he died was an overtime shift he picked up. Before leaving home, he promised his wife Marissa and his kids they'd go to IHOP for chocolate chip waffles the next morning. We'll go tomorrow. We'll go tomorrow. Tomorrow never came. Do you remember what the last words he said to you were out the door? He gave me a kiss and he told me that he loved me. And I said, I love you too. And when he walked out the door, he said he'd be right back. He said, I'll be right back, babe. Now his family has a very clear idea of the justice they want served. If you could speak directly to this teenage shooter or this shooter's family, do you want to say anything to them? You had no right. You are a coward. You are evil. I know what you did to my husband. And all of our family call for a different type of justice. We know how things work. 
We know the politics at play. Politics are not a part of what happened to Christopher Fitzgerald. And his family hopes with his sacrifice, more measures will be put in place for his fellow police colleagues. Yeah, and that reference is was asked yesterday of Temple University officials because we've learned that the question was, well, why was he alone as he was chasing after those three suspects? And it was an issue of staffing and low staffing, and it goes to the issue that we, we've talked a lot about recruitment, the defund the police movement, and the the residual impact of that. We're feeling it, whether you look at the crime, whether you look at the tough, uh, the tough um, efforts to try to recruit officers and law enforcement officers during a time where police were, you know, just disrespected, demoralized, and not feeling supported. How often do we hear that? about local law, really law enforcement at every level, that they just don't feel that that respect or gratitude that they used to feel in most communities. And I will say this, that it's not just one thing. And I'm not blaming one person or one issue. Obviously, this is a layered issue. But ultimately, when we look at what happened and the the partisan politics that went into the defund the police movement, when in fact, the truth is that the community, nobody in any any community really ever wanted to defund the police. Nobody thought that was a good idea. I really think that it was just, it was something that became a partisan political talking point and it went out of control. And I will bring you back to, you know, when George Floyd in that, in in the moments when that video went viral around the world and everyone it kind of took your breath away to see this this very large man was he six foot eight when he couldn't breathe and was calling for his mom that summer we all came together we were united as human beings and and yes as especially in america as americans even though it went internationally everybody saw it and was horrified by it we were united in that moment but then how long did it really take for partisan politics, and even, you know, even social media had a piece in this of of dividing people. And I will say this, all of us are vulnerable to this because it's easy to have that knee-jerk reaction. But in that moment, when we were united by the our horror as we watched George Floyd being you know, suffocated to death, dying before our eyes, it was I'll never forget it, watching it. And even though we were obviously not watching it live, it felt like it. And you just felt like saying, do something, do something. And then as law enforcement came out across the country and said, that's not how we are trained. Over and over, we heard that. And that was a good thing. It was a good conversation. And we were, we were brought together, galvanized, really, by that horrifying moment in American history that we can never take back. But what we need more of is that the majority of us who want to be united on most basic issues, we have to speak out and say, no, 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 we are not going to be silent and wimpy, if you will, for a tiny minority of voices out there. And sometimes it feels on social media, it feels like when those trolls come out and you feel intimidated, understand that's a small, small, tiny percentage of what the majority of Americans are feeling. 
we have to do a better job of coming together and uniting. And I think for Philadelphia, I look at this wonderful family, the Fitzgerald family, in their in their lowest moment in their lives. You think of a father grieving his son who he was so proud of. Can you even imagine what that's like to talk to the media? You know, you sit, you come in, okay, six ABCs coming in your living room now. And, okay, we're going to mic you up. And here we're going to string this wire. And I'm sorry for your loss. And over and over. And now we're going to talk to this person and that. And you're being interviewed. But they feel it's important because they want you, us, to remember Officer Fitzgerald and his sacrifice. And they want it to stop. They want policing to be brought back, beefed up, policies to get improved. And so in their darkest moment of grief, you think of a young mother with four little ones. Think of what she's dealing with. Telling her kids, because they're not understanding this, when's daddy coming home? Daddy said he was going to take us to IHOP. You think of this family grieving and these children grieving and this mom trying to wrap her brain around all of it. And to have the composure, but also the love of Officer Fitzgerald to speak out publicly. This is difficult. This is not an easy thing. So let's listen in. This is the report on that bell tower ceremony. It's it's quite poignant in, in our city's history. A great moment when students and a grieving family and university officials come together and what they're talking about is what we should all be concerned about. Listen in. The pain is palpable and the emotions are real. They came by the hundreds, students, faculty, fellow police officers, and then came Officer Chris Fitzgerald's grieving family, arriving to Temple's bell tower. He was so proud, (laughs) so proud to wear that uniform. Wearing Fitzgerald's jacket, his grieving wife spoke to students her husband lost his life protecting about his love for family, Temple, and police work. He took overtime a lot. And sometimes it made me sad because he wasn't home. But I know that he went into doing overtime because he knew that sometimes it was short staff. And he just wanted to make sure that everybody was safe. He was out here serving, preserving, honoring, protecting, uplifting, enriching, and reminding us of who we can be if we let empathy be our uniform. For us, it has to be a catalyst for an outpouring of compassion, of love, and of grace. That is the only thing that can combat this epidemic of gun violence that has stricken this nation. Among the speakers, Fitzgerald's father, a longtime Philadelphia police officer now working in Colorado. My son did the job. He made us proud. Again, we're devastated, but we're nonetheless proud of what he contributed to this university and the safety and security that he brought to you. And at the vigil's end, as the Temple Band played Somewhere Over the Rainbow, a rainbow appeared in the sky, a sign for some, maybe there is hope. Fitz, 2362, radio call. Until we meet again. I pray for all of y'all's safety. And to hold each other a little tighter. (laughs) His legacy will live on. And I'll make sure of it. So that was Marissa Fitzgerald, the widow of Officer Christopher 
Fitzgerald. We're learning more the details of the viewing, which is tomorrow, and then the funeral service will be at the Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul in Philadelphia. So we'll talk about those details, and I've tweeted those out as well. Certainly a, a city grieving. We'll update you on all the latest that's happening in Pennsylvania. Governor Josh Shapiro speaking out, announcing what's going on with Pennsylvania, saying that his office has made a criminal referral to the state's acting attorney general to review in the East Palestine train derailment that forced evacuations when those toxic chemicals were released and burned. We'll talk about that and update you on on that. And there's so much more as we learn about another train situation, as well as SEPTA, a SEPTA train being dragged along. We're hearing reports all over the place. That's making national news. So we've got all of that. But I still do want to know, what are you giving up for Lent on this Ash Wednesday? And um, I want to hear from you, 855-839-1210. Also, if you want to give a tribute, obviously, to Officer Fitz or someone else in your life who has protected and served, 855-839-1210. Dawn Show's coming right back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Good morning. Dawn Stensland at Dawn Stensland on Twitter. So, yes, paying tribute to our executed policeman, Christopher Fitzgerald. Covering that, following that story, as well as the investigation and the charges against the 18-year-old from Bucks County. And we also learned from police as they revealed how that arrest went down and all of those details. We've talked about this as our top story this week, appropriately so. But we also had that protest yesterday after an FBI special agent shot a dog in Rittenhouse Square. We'll talk about that one and those new details as well as Pennsylvania's Governor Josh Shapiro speaking out, making a criminal referral to the state's acting attorney general. Obviously, Shapiro, that was his office. That was his job as attorney general in Pennsylvania before he became governor. So now he's acting, asking the state's acting AG to review, to do a review in the East Palestine train derailment and see what's happening and what is the impact on Pennsylvania after Ohio, right across the border, a quarter mile 
from the border. In other words, that train derailment that forced evacuations when those toxic chemicals were released and burned. So you'll hear from Shapiro as well, EPA on the scene. We've talked a lot about it, but we want to keep this story, certainly keep you updated on it. And then there was a a pretty uh, contentious meeting yesterday. I believe our Anthony Dorenzo attended former Mayor Michael Michael Nutter, right? Former Mayor Michael Nutter was there getting into it as the mayoral candidates were meeting for a forum as they all vie for the job of Jim Kenney. How was it, Anthony? It was pretty exciting. Um, I mean, there was a panel there, and they questioned the candidates first. It was only Sherelle Parker and Helen Gim, but I really did want to go to at least see what Helen had to say, because I know she won't be here Friday with Dom. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really wanted to make it a point to go there. And, I mean, there were a lot of interesting things. Mayor Nutter specifically really pressed both of them, um, specifically on bills that they have co-signed. Helen Gim he specifically brought up a bill that she co-signed regarding uh, schools and the Philadelphia public schools and how they are currently now bringing it to a lawsuit uh, with the with the city of Philadelphia. So if she wins mayor, she would have to then represent the city. But she co-signed the bill to uh, go forward with this lawsuit. So it would be kind of a conflict of interest. And he pressed her on that. Uh, he also brought up the Union League and DeSantis, of course. Mm-hmm. And he also brought up, uh, because she claimed on stage that every mayor in Philadelphia's history has turned their back on schools and children, uh, which is a pretty bold thing to say in front of Mayor Nutter. And he pressed her on her opinions on charter schools because she started a charter school, actually, for her kids when she was not satisfied with the schools in her neighborhood. But now she's totally pivoted and really only wants to support the public schools and fix the public schools and move away from charter schools. And he called her out on that as well. Um, so that was very interesting. And Sherelle Parker, he also kind of pressed her on a few bills that she has also co-signed, specifically when George Floyd, the verdict happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they co-signed a bill to take away some of the police funding and some of their assets. And he was asking if that was a rash decision. Um, and also he expanded to Sherelle specifically said she wanted to immediately hire 300 police officers. Mm-hmm. He was saying at the very least you lose 300 a year. So it's a net wash. How are right. you going to handle that? Um, I mean, it was really great. And I'm, I'm reaching out. I got a couple contacts. So hopefully we could get uh, Mayor Nutter on to expand on it. But it was, it was really awesome to see. And hopefully we could get more context to Friday here when, uh, I mean, everyone will be here except Helen Gim. So you'll get to hear from all of the candidates. Yeah. So it's I love that, you know, I think Nutter getting into it with with Gim is good stuff. And I think what's what he's getting at, because remember, that was his turning point when there was a large field of mayoral candidates. And it was actually Larry who worked mm-hmm. for NBC 10 at the time, was hosting a forum and asked about um you know, stop and frisk. And so Nutter, he knows this issue so well, obviously not just as mayor, but he has you know served in the city for a long time. But that was what skyrocketed him to the the front mm-hmm. of the pack at that time, because he he said, look, we need to we need to do take some measures. And mm-hmm. one of them is stop and frisk, not as a permanent solution, but to be another tool in this toolbox and we have to be careful about it so that it doesn't become you know, discriminatory yeah. or common practice. But he was for it, and the, obviously the community supported it. 
Yeah, and I mean, they all kind of alluded to, most of the panelists, uh, has the police environment gone too woke? Are they too focused on equity and other things like this and not keeping Philadelphians safe? I mean, most of these neighborhoods have concerns with safety, you know, whether it's Officer Fitz or these these children getting shot on their way home from school. It's And, and like you said, I think stop and frisk should be a tool. And he's even been quoted as saying stop and frisk can be beneficial, but it comes down to police training. Police need yeah. to know when to use it. They need to have good judgment. It can't be this, okay, this neighborhood, we're going to stop and frisk. This one, we're not. This race, we're going to stop and right. frisk. This one, we're It can't be that. So, you know, it, it is a complex issue. But hearing from him, I mean, it really is refreshing. I think a lot of Philadelphians respect his opinion and his perspective. Yeah. And, I mean... The city wasn't perfect under Mayor Nutter, but I think it was moving in the right direction. And hopefully his questioning and his perspective on this race can at least influence the city to move more towards um, improving rather than, uh, I guess, the direction we've been in under Kenny. What was your takeaway just as a personal observer? And we'll, we'll talk more about it. We have some sound. But in other words, what, what was your takeaway just watching them in person, their interaction as far as Nutter Sherelle Parker, Nutter with Kim. What was that body language like? Uh, Nutter was very um, expressive, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, he, he made it clear he wanted to go through a lightning round with each candidate. He made it clear that he wanted one to two minute answers. Um, he didn't want political bloviating, which both of them did uh, a few times. And uh, he, he didn't want context. And of course, they tried to go into context. So I need more than two minutes. But um, his facial expressions, his body language, uh, he even had some one liners. Helen Gim said at one point uh, when they were kind of going back and forth, she said, if it wasn't for your administration, I wouldn't be here today. And he said, oh, so it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was really he was out there. He was pressing them. Honestly, harder than I expected. I knew he would be the hardest one on the panel there, mm -hmm. but I really was uh, impressed by what he did. And, uh, you know, hopefully it resonates with Philadelphians because Helen got really called out on her, whether it was the charter schools or the DeSantis thing. Um, and, and hopefully, I mean, even there was a there was one of the viewers there that mm -hmm. said, how can the Philadelphia black community trust you when you consistently look like you flip flop? And, you know, she I will say Helen Gim had. It seemed like the cheerleaders in the mm -hmm. house. They were the loudest. Uh, at one point, she dropped an F-bomb, debating with Nutter, of course, to yeah. rile him up and get him clapping. But, you know, I would say I was more impressed by Sherelle. She at least, I think, was more honest. She, of course, fell back on a few of her, uh, I guess, comfortable topics, which is hiring the best and the brightest and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think anyone, when you're speaking in that much of a long form, I mean, we do it every day. If you're yeah. speaking that much, you're going to go back to your euphemisms here and there. So I, I would say Sherelle was more genuine. Uh, Helen, she kept saying, what are these labels like progressive? She kept moving away from that. She kept moving away from Krasner. Mm -hmm. But then she would almost double down on race and gender and the focus on these things. So, you know, I, I think if you're looking at it from a level head, it's it's hard to really believe mm -hmm much of what she said in my opinion but i was really trying to give her the benefit of the doubt it, it was it was just hard and i i would say sherelle impressed me to an extent but when she was pressed on things like the police and also her george floyd decision uh with that bill and the police here mm -hmm. she did seem a little flustered but i think you're gonna get that with a lot of these candidates that were in city council yeah. i mean they've had influence on this city for a while yeah. so they have to be accountable their hands well. are on things i would have more respect for these people if they would just admit it and say, okay, I made a mistake, we need to move forward. Which, at one point, Sherelle Parker did admit that with some of the gun laws and how she gave up uh, working with Republicans in Harrisburg at one point. So Yeah. Sherelle Parker is my council person in Philadelphia, so I've known her for a lot of years. 
And I think what you're feeling is, I mean, she definitely is, um, whether you like her politics or not, she is a more personable woman and she, she has a lot of heart and she's very expressive and communicative. And I think Helen Gim, and just, just as a communicator, I'm saying Gim comes off as a, a bit more cold and offstandish than Sherelle, who tends yes. to be more flowery in her language and very warm, very personal, uh, very personable, very passionate. Mm-hmm. I mean, Helen, even at one point, she's like flipping her hair. Yeah. And, and you know, like very, yeah. I, I, not to, I don't want to say like ditzy, but almost mm-hmm. uh, very confident. Kind of almost, yeah, yeah, almost a little too confident, I guess. Hmm. Well, that's. I think it's great that you went and we're getting a sense of the candidates. And I hope all of Philadelphia takes a hard look, looks at every single candidate. And this is what is supposed to happen. But, I mean, it's February 22nd. This election is May 16th. So we have a lot going on. The Dawn Show is going to continue right after this. We want to hear from you. So on Twitter, at Dawn Stensland and 855-839-1210. We'll be right back. So much developing. Breaking news this morning with preliminary confirmation from those National Weather Service officials and investigators looking at the storm damage. This is in New Jersey. And whether or not it was a tornado, they say yes, indeed. They confirmed it's, they're saying preliminary confirmation, but it appears that it was indeed a tornado. Fast-moving storms, uprooting trees. I don't know if you saw any of that video. Incredible The trees slamming down on homes and cars, significant damage. So the Red Cross is there helping a minimum of 60 residents who were, I don't know if that's 60 homes and apartments and condo members, but at least 60 who've been displaced by this thing, 100 properties at least, greatly impacted after that storm cell over, mostly over Mercer County, New Jersey, just swept through. Uh, pretty incredible. We heard from many residents saying it felt like it was the like the Wizard of Oz as some residents who survived that wicked tornado and the wicked winds. It was over quickly. Started about 3.30, 3.40, and by 4 o'clock, it was, it was done. So now the Red Cross there, Volunteers of America there, they responded. I don't have word of injuries, but certainly if you see the, the level of damage there, a lot of rebuilding for sure. And so we haven't had word if there are injuries. We'll continue to update on that one. I want to get to your calls always, 855-839-1210 on some of the topics and developing stories that we're covering. And as well, we are watching and waiting because there is word that today is the day when former President Trump, who, as you know, has launched his next presidential campaign for 2024, is supposed to visit East Palestine, Ohio today. And we also have have heard that on the calendar in D.C., slated to testify our very own from Bucks County, Mark Houck, who you've heard here on the Dawn Show and all the reports on his trial here in Philadelphia, by which a jury vindicated him fully. But this was a situation where many had said he was one of those Christian Catholic victims of the Biden administration's so-called weaponization of the DOJ. So two big stories we're watching. But I want to get to your calls. First, uh, let's go to Michael. Good morning, Michael. Hey. Hey, Dawn. Hey, uh, in in your um, description of this uh, ceremony yesterday, they mentioned the rainbow going off as they were 
you know, giving the tribute to the um, fallen officer. And at the same time, gunshots were going off and they had to whisk away the family. Can you think of what emotional distress for that uh, wife and parents to have to be whisked away while you're trying to think about your your fallen son and husband? And just how emblematic that is of just how broken the system is in Philadelphia. And all the words, what has come of it? Has any policy change happened? No. And in fact, when I learned of it on Sunday morning, it was like a, a punch in the stomach because we live close to that area. Mm-hmm. And when I heard Kenny say that on Sunday he went out to Glen Mills, yes. this is the day after it happened. I'm right. thinking if the, if the mayor heard this, this happened what, and you're the, you're in the leader, you would think you would hunker down in city hall and call an emergency cabinet meeting and, and try to change something. Instead, He's drinking Prosecco out in the suburbs. I I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, You heard me on Monday interview Sergeant Mark Fazzetti, who knew Fitz, as he calls him, Officer Christopher Fitzgerald, who knew him. And, um, you know, Sergeant Sergeant Fazzetti actually was at the hospital with the family grieving over the weekend. You think how it impacted all of us. And I know for us, Sunday dinner, we, um, you know, said our usual prayer before dinner and, and prayed for the Fitzgerald family, prayed for their family and for the city of Philadelphia. It was heavy on all of our hearts and on our minds. And to think that our mayor of Philadelphia, I know he's outgoing, but not yet. And to think that all he was thinking about was, hey, uh, let's go to Delco, go out and go to this sweet little quaint little restaurant. And then all he was talking about was the B&B, and it went on. It was embarrassing. And that struck me, too, that that, that was what was on his mind. Where, what are we having for dinner, and where are we going for dinner? And by the way, not supporting a Philadelphia restaurant after Kenny shut down, was part of the strictest mandates in the country, shutting down restaurants here. It, it just, oh, my goodness. It, it, it infuriated me. I'm, I'm with you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely. Did we lose the other caller? I know we were having pro- if, if we lost you, I apologize. Call back 855-839-1210. We apologize. Every once in a while we get these little technical problems. So moving forward, we'll cover, we have so much more to tell you about what's happening in the region. So much more news. We're going to continue right after this. Taking your calls, 855-839-1210. Tom in Pennsburg. Hey, Tom. Good morning. Uh, I'd just like to uh, say there was a congresswoman who was a Democrat in Minnesota who got mugged by a a guy in an elevator. And um, she said he was uh, she was the 13th victim of his mugging uh, escapades. And uh, all of a sudden now she's talking conservative. The guy should be in jail, et cetera, et cetera. And I was wondering uh, would Krasner do likewise if he got mugged? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that we wish that upon anybody, but it's it is true that it's rules for thee and not for me until it happens to me, and then all of a sudden people have some level of empathy as to what what people are going through. So I appreciate you. That's absolutely that's uh, 
You're right on the money with that one. I mean, that's like the point people keep having with Temple, because mm-hmm. Jason Wingard, the president, is supposed to be living on campus. Supposedly, they have not moved in yet due to renovations at his North mm-hmm. Philadelphia home. And Jennifer Griffin, as well, the head of security, does not live there either. Uh, so it's interesting that these people don't want to be uh, among the students or the crime that they claim to think is uh, under some sort of control. So, Yeah, yeah I mean, that's just it, that it's... And I I will say this. I don't think all Temple University presidents over the past have necessarily lived on on campus. That was something that they talked about. And that was, uh, I think, I think a good sign that, you know, he had said he would live on campus. So but once you say it, once it's out there, whether or not everybody has historically lived on campus, you got to go through with it. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, We got you know, it's a little renovations. I got to wait for the painting. Uh-huh. Exactly. There's so much happening today. I can't even believe it. Where do, where do you want to go, Anthony? What do you have on your cut sheet? Uh, I mean, we have a ton of stuff. I know uh, you were mentioning the dog and the dog owner. Um, we have a few reports from that. There's uh, an Wait, up- let's save that for 11, oh, yeah. right? Because we only okay. have a couple minutes here toward the top. Of the- let's save that for the top of the hour. Cause okay, we have, yeah, yeah. We have I- a ton of dog reports not just the fbi agent the update on the shooting at rittenhouse square then there's another doggy report about um those who were you know how they they clip their tails and their ears Mm -hmm. it was an illegal operation that was busted up so we have a whole bunch of animal pet dog news yeah yeah we'll get into that next hour but i do have a quick clip if you wanted this so uh obviously we know ron DeSantis was going around pennsylvania new york um and actually i think it was illinois as well chicago uh, suburbs yep yep yep, for pencil or excuse me for president's day and uh actually his team then put up this montage last night a little promo uh for his law and order tour uh listen in we do not surrender to the woke mob policing in the spotlight today morning florida governor ron DeSantis is in new york the first of a three-city tour in florida our crime rate is at a 50-year low and we've done it by our commitment to public safety and our support for the men and women of law enforcement and contrast that to what we see in some of these other areas which has had the polar opposite results high crime escalating rates they are putting woke ideology ahead of public safety they are pursuing politics. Okay, so this is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Everybody might say, I'm not going to let him have a free commercial. Um, but <laughs> but he made this tour. A couple things that I'll just note. The Chicago TV stations covered him in the suburbs. New York, you heard the New York news outlets covering him. Uh, Anthony, can you play all the local coverage of DeSantis here in our region? Could you just <laughs> it was play non-existent. That? Yeah, this is uh, it'll be crickets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of it is that I think some of these meetings were were private, much like the Union League of Philadelphia yeah. meeting. So, in the def- in I'll say, in some defense of the media, it was not that open event. On the other hand. You certainly could stand outside and say, Governor, why are you here? And Governor, do you, you know what I mean. You could do that, but well, they I don't mean, want to cover it. Haven't the Biden and Shapiro and Fetterman events been mostly private in the city and they cover that? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it comes down to who gets access as well. And obviously, I don't think most of these networks ask for access with him. Mm-hmm. They'd rather just do a quick little hit piece. He's here. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll mention it and take a shot at him. And that's usually about it. So, yeah, well, well said. 
All right, we're going to reboot for the top of the hour. We have a lot of developing stories to get through, and as well, we'll talk uh, about how Rittenhouse Square, the posh Rittenhouse Square, where the pooch was shot. We have some new details on that investigation and what we can expect today when former President Trump, who is currently a candidate, wants to be your president again, visits East Palestine, Ohio, what he's expected to say, to do, and when we can expect him there. It's all just ahead. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 